morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, uh, and uh, I've been gone for the past several weeks. I've been in California, uh, just reconnecting with uh, friends and family, and it's always a great blessing to be able to go out there each summer and and do that, and and uh, and just. I just kind of build those relationships that I've had for a lifetime, but it's also great to be back. Uh, One of the things that I like to do when I'm traveling is I like to try to visit other churches and and, uh, just connect with them. And uh, it's usually a a pretty, at least semi-stressful event, uh, uh, visiting a church for the first time. Uh, there's the normal challenges, right? You don't know exactly where it is. You know, even, you know, you know, churches that, you know, have a little, you know, Google Maps thing and all, all that, you still don't know exactly where, where it is. And there's, then there's the, you know, where, where do you park? And there's always kind of that, you know, uh, kind of tension that goes on, not to mention the actually coming into the new building and then trying to find a seat and uh, hopefully not sitting in somebody's seat, right? Because church people, you know, they have their seat and you don't want to be a new person and come and sit in their seat. Usually just, uh, I've been to a lot of different churches and just to let you know, usually uh, church people who claim their seats, usually it's never the front row. You're usually pretty safe there. But like, you should stay away from the third and fourth row. Just telling you, that's just I just let you know that culturally, cultural culture all around the country, you know, third and fourth row uh, row is for the real faithful, and you're just visiting, so don't sit there. So, uh, you know, and I probably have a little bit of a different perspective than than most people. Uh, who who just attend or are visiting the church because you know I mean I'm a I'm a lead pastor so I'm kind of a a church spy as well right you know I'm going in there knowing why well, you know I I I lead a uh, local community so I'm like hey, you know what are they up to and everything but but I believe also I have the exact same feelings or very similar feelings uh, than just you know. Uh, other people who are just attending a church. I, I have uh, expectations and I have hopes when I go to a new church and, and actually gave a lot of thought to these and, and really, you know, next week, you know, school's going to be back in and the students are going to be coming back and, and wondering, you know, as new people come into our church community, what what are their expectations or, and what are their hopes? And then as we as a community, how can we be there for people uh, as they're facing lots of challenges, as they're, you know, lonely in their pain and their hurt and, and, and things like that? How, how can we really be the body of Christ and be the tangible hand of Christ to these people who are seeking community? So, I wanted to start out with my expectations, and these are just mine. You know, this is uh, soul-searching, like when I would go to these churches, like, what do I really expect, you know, as a, you know, a jaded pastor, you know, what do I, what do I expect when I go to church, you know? And uh, 
one of the things that I expect when I, when I go to a church is that someone has thought about me, not me specifically, but me as a visitor before I got there. Is that like, I mean, is that kind of like when you go to a church, you know, they, they put a sign out and said, we're a church. And they put times. And them to, to think about me. I think it's very telling when churches are not prepared for new people to show up. While I was in California, I, I visited a church, and I don't want to sound critical. I just, I just want to tell you one of my experiences. But I visited a church, and they had definitely uh, some challenges. They were meeting in a school, so they didn't have their own facility. And so I was going there, and a friend had invited me to, to this church, so I was excited to go. So I drove there and saw the sign. It said, church parking here. So I pulled in and got out of my car and got out of, and started looking around, and there was nobody around, and there was no signs, and I had no idea where I was going. So for the next 15, 20 minutes, I just kind of wandered around, hoping that, you know, like some like drug-induced, you know, 70s guy, you know, just kind of like looking for something, you know, the glazed look in my eyes, just looking for the worship gathering. And if I didn't have somebody expecting me to show up, I, honestly, I probably would have given up. I was pretty frustrated. And then finally, I, I, I saw some people who were not dressed appropriately for a Sunday morning, but were dressed appropriately to go to church. Does that make sense? <laughs> so I'm like, aha! So I uh, jumped on their tail, and, and, and lo and behold, I, I found, I found uh, the worship gathering, and, you know, and it was fine, and it was great, but, but just like... I was out of that experience. I'm like, you know what? Nobody really thought of me as a visitor, like how I was going to find them. And they were a small, neat little community, and and they had a lot to offer. But I wondered how many other people just kind of gave up. And it's like, you know what? They didn't think enough about me to make sure that I found them once I got there. The second thing that I expect is that they're prepared. The way I look at it, when I visit a church as a follower of Christ, that I am submitting myself to their spiritual leadership for an hour, hour and a half, whatever, whatever it is, and I expect them to be prepared. I expect, you know, uh, people to be out there and, and, and to greet me, and, and I expect you know, uh, uh, to be welcomed, and I, I expect the, the, the band to, uh, or, or the, the, you know, the choir or whatever it is, and I go to all sorts of different churches when I'm traveling, to, to know the words because I don't, I'm just showing up. You know, I want to follow you. I'm entrusting myself to, I, I, to follow you into what I believe hopefully is the presence of God. I expect the pastor to not have like drotted down some notes on his way, you know, to the church, but to have prayerfully um, put together, you know, 
some thoughts within his gifting. I don't expect, you know, everybody to be a fantastic speaker, but to be prepared. And that they have taken their responsibility that I'm entrusting to them seriously. The other thing that I expect is awkwardness. In a good way. You know what? I understand that I am coming to this place as a new person. Nobody knows who I am, nor should they. And I don't expect when I walk in for people to treat me like they've been my friends for 5, 10, 20 years. I expect awkward conversations. I expect somebody to ask me different questions like, hey, what's your name? How did you hear of us? You know, these are just some different kind of questions over the years that, that, that I've learned. And if, uh, you know, I've had a conversation with you, with, with most of you, you know, usually I have, you know, you know, three or four different questions that I ask. You know, these are my awkward questions because I don't know. I don't know who you are, nor should I. Because you're, you're new to our community. I'm excited that you're here. But there's, you know, relationships, you know, church people like to fake, you know, relationships sometimes and try to make them go faster than they are. But there's a natural kind of rhythm to relationships. And you start out asking somebody their name. Some of the questions I ask people is, you know, how did you hear of us? And their answer is always the same, Google. You know, they probably, you know, Googled, you know, awkward pastor or something like that and pops up, you know, Element 3 Church is the number one hit on that or something like that. You know, uh, I, I ask people, are you new to Tallahassee? You know? legit? You know, uh, you know, and however they respond, then you follow up with this. You know, questions about that. They say, you know, yeah, I'm from Utah. I'm like, oh, did you bring your wives with you? <laughs> you know, you know, you just, well, however that rolls, you know, it's all good. Uh, you know, another, another thing is if the person is new and it's their first time, it's like, hey, you know what? Our church, we have like that green bag, that welcome bag. It's like, hey, has somebody given you a welcome bag? Oh, no, I haven't gotten a welcome bag. Oh, great. Well, let's go over and walk in, you know, uh, I'll give you a welcome bag. You know, they're just at the Pathways booth. Anybody can do that here. This is our church. We all, you know, give in order that we can, as a church, purchase a welcome bag so people could be welcome, right? So that's what we do. And we, you know, hey, you know, and if you have no idea what's in there, open it up with them. Go, hey, look at this. Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't know we did that, you know, or whatever. But, you know, these are just, you know, uh, you know, questions. You know, probably one to avoid is like, don't ask them if they brought their checkbook today or something like that. You know, visitors don't like that. So... Oh, come on. Okay, so those are, those are some of my expectations. I, I expect someone to give some thought before I get there. I expect that they're prepared. And I, I expect some awkwardness. I want that because it's real. I want somebody to be awkward with me. 
and ask awkward questions, not probing awkward questions, not crazy questions, but just, you know, awkward questions, you know, just like, hey, I don't know you, and I want to get to know you, and I'm welcome that you're here. Okay, those are expectations. This is my hope. And this is really weird as a pastor, I got to tell you, going through this actually like, what do, do I have a hope when I go to church? Am I hoping for anything? And the answer is really true, I do. My number one hope uh, is that the worship gathering will give me fresh insight into God's Word, equip me to live my faith in a hostile world, and challenge me to deepen my relationship with Jesus. Isn't it sad I don't expect that, but I hope that. Oh, do I hope that. I, I hope that somebody who greets me, some conversation I have, that the, the, the musical worship leader or, or the pastor or anybody at that church can give me fresh insight into God's Word. I hunger for that. Or to be able to give me some way to just live my Christian life better in this world. I hope beyond all hope that I can have that. Or just tell me how to have a deeper relationship, a stronger connection with my Creator. Wow, I hope that. Another hope that I have beyond the expectations is that the members of the church are happy that I showed up. Not that they greeted me or they were polite but genuinely happy that some, a fresh person showed up who they know nothing about. I think that when new people show up and if a church is happy about it, like they don't look at it as an intrusion, but in a way, but in a way to expand the party, that is something special, and that is my hope. And then, probably the biggest one, my hope is, I truly hope when I go and attend a new church that I will have a meaningful and real experience with my God and people. That somehow from parking to leaving within that hour and a half time, that my soul will be filled and that I will just have some real connection with another human being, not forced beyond the awkward questions, but just some sort of connection. A connection allows me to know that, you know what, I matter to God and I matter to people. At least I matter to this one faith community and they're happy that I'm there. You know, I think about it and it sounds kind of simple, you know, this idea of one human being connecting with another human being. 
in the name of Jesus. And then when that happens, Jesus says, I am there. This connection, not because they have to, but because they want to. This kind of overflow in their life. And I got to tell you, I've been to churches, and I know that you've been to churches, and, I, and I'm sure it's happened at our church. And I was at a conference this week, and one of the pastors was even talking about this, one of these sacred echoes of this just kind of building have you ever been to church or a church or this church and somebody's sitting by themselves and it usually happens after the gathering and everybody's going off and everybody's like, you know, the, while the pastor's talking and, you know, blah, 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 you're looking around like, hey, who's here, you know, kind of thing. And then after everybody gets up and, and, and is going, there's like one person just sitting there, doesn't get up and go and... A lot of times, you know, they're hunched over and they're praying or they have some sort of obvious distress that's going on in their lives and nobody goes up to them. Maybe you look around and go, where's the pastor? Right? But nobody goes up to him. And I know why, because I do the same thing. Like, man, it's awkward to walk up to somebody, especially somebody who's closed off and kind of in isolation. But isolation is the opposite of relationship, and relationship is our God. Our God is in relationship with Himself. God is in relationship with creation. Creation is, is intertwined. And then when somebody comes into the body of Christ and is isolated and we walk by and we don't do anything, we are allowing evil to have its day. That we are having the opposite of love and relationship and unity, isolation and pain and hurt flourish in our midst. And I think, even though I can't speak into any other church, I can speak with us and say, you know what, this, we should have a holy discontentment about that. That isolation not solitude, that's different, but isolation should not be allowed, especially in our presence. That if somebody is showing the clear signs that they're hurting, or even if they're not, but we can, the Holy Spirit is prompting us to go over to them and put our hand on it and say, you know what? I don't know you, but you are here in our church. And can I pray for you? And you might be sitting there going like, are you crazy? I'm going to walk up to somebody in church and ask if I can pray for them? How weird is that? If that's weird, 
American church is in a whole lot of trouble. This church is in a whole lot of trouble if we can't gather together in the name of Jesus and having someone come in our midst with the expectation that they're going to have a connection with God and people and we can't walk up to someone who's not a stranger but someone that Jesus Christ died for who is in distress in our presence and say, you know what? Alone plus me and you, you know what? Jesus says He'll be here with us. And it changes everything. To take it a little bit farther, Jesus says in Isaiah that when he, I mean, Jesus says in Matthew, but he, he's quoting Isaiah when, when he says, you know what? My temple, my church will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's what we do. Jesus' house, God's temple, the body of Christ. Isolation, pain, and hurt is not to be carried alone, but we as the body are meant to carry it together. David in the Psalms, he does such a beautiful job of of articulating feelings in poetry. In Psalms 25, he does this about pain. Verse 16, Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Your problems ever go from bad to worse? Of course they do. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how, my enemy, see how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Is this resonating with anybody? Protect me. Rescue me, my, my life from them. Don't let me be disgraced. For in you I take refuge. My integrity... May integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. And our hope is in God, and our hope is in Jesus. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 11, He says, You know what? Come to me, all of you who are weary. We live in a weary world. And carry heavy burdens. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. And you know what? At this point, churches and followers of Christ, and and I've been there. We let out a collective, whew, Jesus has got it. Those people with their heavy burdens and their weary and, oh, Jesus, good. Well, there's a caveat to that. There's a change. There's something terrifying but miraculous that Jesus did. That Jesus died for us to 
adopt us into his family, into the relationship, and he calls us his body. When you make up your mind to do something, say that you all said, you know what? I'm going to make up my mind to run a marathon. Who runs the marathon? Your mind or your body? Your mind? <laughs> be kind of gross seeing a brain roll down the head. <laughs> no, it's your body. Your mind makes dumb commitments and your body pays the price. Right? Care carries it out. Christ calls us His body. That there is no plan B. It's, we are plan A as the church, as the body. We are the tangible hand of Christ. That Jesus kind of illustrates this in Matthew 25 and verse 34, he says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you the creation, since creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me, and I was thirsty and you gave me a drink, and I was a stranger and you invited me into your home, and I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. And the righteous ones will say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did this for the least of your brothers and sisters, you are doing it for me. What just happened there? What happened was that Jesus had invited us to be the tangible hand, to be the agents that bring his hope and his love to the nations. To further that point, the writer of Hebrews writes in 13 verse 2, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done so have entertained angels without even realizing it. But perhaps Jesus makes the most startling proclamation in Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20. When he says, for when two or three, other translations say two or more, are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. He's not saying that he's not with you when you're by yourself. But what he's saying is when there's two, the body of Christ is present. What he's saying is one plus one is not two. Alone plus one 
together is the body of Christ. And now you have someone to help carry your burdens, to walk and guide one another. In the Old Testament, it said a, a cord of three is not easily broken. And we as a church, yes, this happens on a Sunday, but this also happens all through the week when we get together in growth groups where we can really be known by one another. This is the place where our primary care comes in. So we don't have to come and just hope beyond hope that, that someone will touch us. But when we are part of a church, that we are part of its infrastructure, that we are part of, of the smaller Bible studies, that we know not everybody, but we are known and know some. That this is why we as a community that we set aside money called an Acts 2 fund to help help uh, people in our community who are struggling financially. And this is why we come to the Lord's table together to remember Christ's sacrifice for us. And that's what we're going to do today. As we kind of collectively, when after the band comes up and we come to the Lord's table, that, you know what I want you to do? I want you to look. I want you to make sure that, you know what, if anybody needs prayer, that you go over to them and pray for them. Don't wait for me or Pastor Dan to do it. If God has given you the eyes to see, there's a good chance that He has entrusted you, He has commissioned you, He has entrusted you with that life. And that is a scary thing and a terrifying thing, but is a miraculous thing that you have been ordained by the creator of the universe to be his ambassador. And as we come to the table, I just want to read Jesus' words in Luke chapter 22. He says, to remind us of his sacrifice, we do this as the church. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, This is a cup of the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. And the band's going to play a song by Mavis Staples called You're Not Alone. And I just want you to just take in those words. And we as a community is, uh, you know, people are going to start coming back. You know, vacations are ending and students are coming back next week that, that we can say, you know what? We want to be that place where people don't have to hope that they may have a 
real experience with God and people, but they know when they come to E3 that this is a place where they will and can expect that they will have a real encounter with God and His creation. You guys pray with me.